In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes to us and gives us the final answer. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I have a confession to make. I don't always preach whenever I go to a worship service. I I do most of the time when you see me here. But every now and again, I I go to a worship service where I don't have to preach. And and before I had this job, I went to a lot that I didn't have to preach at. And every now and again, I would get a little bit disappointed. I would get disappointed because you, you know how we have those four readings that we read... Uh, the Old Testament and the Psalm and then the New Testament or the Epistle lesson and then the Gospel. Well, I understood, I was a preacher's kid, so, so I understood at a very early age that those were the four choices for the sermon. Now, every now and again, and my dad does this way more than what I I did, Uh, every now and again you can do this thing called free texting, which is just cheating, um, and uh, you bring in another verse from someplace else. Um, But, those are essentially the four. And I remember that I would uh, either like sit down in the pew and rummage through the, the bulletin and figure out what those four readings were, or I would just wait for them to be read and kind of listen to them and, and think to myself. And I, I would always have one that I wanted. I, I would always have one that I, I wanted to be preached on. And it was usually the really sort of sticky and tricky one to preach on. You know, if James 2 was in the readings... I was like, oh yeah, that's the one. That's a tough one. I want to see that preacher squirm in front of me. I want to see him rising up there trying to figure out how to get this out. And I would always be disappointed when they didn't choose that more difficult reading. When they would go and they would say, okay, well, uh, today we're going to preach on the gospel. I'd go, the gospel? Come on, James. And I I, I felt a little bit cheated. And I felt that same sense of being cheated when I was flipping through the TV channels the other day, something that I don't normally do, and I came across Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, I haven't seen Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in a long time since Regis Philbin was there. And I remember the good old days of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. When somebody was in the hot seat and they were doing exactly... And and they had three choices besides actually answering the question. They could poll the audience or they could phone a friend. Um, And, and, you know, it it was... I was like, 50-50, that was the other one. And I was like, you know, that's the way that millionaire should be. And I turned on Millionaire and and thought that I was getting that. Instead, I got this mutant version. (laughs) Where where no longer... You you can't phone a friend anymore. They assume that nobody has a friend. (laughs) And instead, you get this. And only once, so I'll give them that. But they can pass. You can't even call that the hot seat anymore. They can pass. They, they don't have to sit there and squirm and kind of figure out what answer it is and then hear that horrible question. Is that your final answer? It just didn't seem right. And so because I opened up the sermon that way, I, I pretty much have to take the, the worst, uh, most difficult verse. Uh, reading to preach on 
this Sunday. And that's the Ezekiel verse. And now, if you know anything about Ezekiel, you can understand why this is maybe the toughest reading for me to preach on. Because Ezekiel, he's just kind of bizarre. I mean, if Ezekiel was alive and preaching today, there would probably be some dispersions cast upon him in hallucinogenic drugs. I mean, the guy is weird. Wheel within a wheel. He spent like 50 days on one side of his body with a little miniature version model form of uh, Jerusalem. He's a weird guy. And then to add to the confusion of this being Ezekiel, you don't even really have the entire text here. This is part three of a three-part series. And so you don't really even know what exactly is happening. And so what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to split the room. For some of you, you get to stop thinking after a little bit after what I'm going to tell you right now. The answer to what this reading means, what this Ezekiel reading means, is that Jesus is the final answer. Okay, everybody got that, right? Jesus is the final answer. Alright, so now, for those of you that are lazy... You can close your Bibles, close your notebooks, close your eyes if you want to. You've got it. It's done. For the rest of you that maybe have some sort of like inner math teacher inside of you, you want me to show my work. And so that's what we're going to do next, is is we're going to jump into this Ezekiel reading, which is part three, so I need to tell you about parts one and two. And in order to tell you about parts one and two, I need to tell you about this cast of characters that you haven't met yet. This cast of characters is Eagle One, Eagle Two, and Twigvine. Everybody got it? Eagle One, Eagle Two, Twigvine. Alright, so, how this starts off is that Eagle One flies over to where Twigvine is. He's only known as Twig at this point. He plucks Twig away, flies him back to another place, and plants him in a pretty nice place. And there, Twigvine, right now only known as Twig, gets to grow. And he starts to grow, and he starts to grow in the direction of eagle number one. Now, eagle number one is a pretty cool-looking eagle. That's what Ezekiel tells us. that, That he is a very impressive, very energetic, very full of life eagle. And so, so... Twigvine begins to grow and grows in the direction of eagle number one, just like those plants on your windowsill in your kitchen begin to grow towards the sun. That's what Twigvine is doing. Of course, then eagle number two comes through. Eagle number two is an eagle, but just not quite as impressive. He's kind of a lazy, passive eagle. And he just kind of flies in and lands on the other side of eagle number one. Eagle number one is still there, but eagle number two is new. And so Twigvine now begins to grow in the direction of eagle number two. And at this point, Ezekiel jumps in and gives us a rhetorical question. And Ezekiel says, isn't it obvious 
that twig vine is not going to survive. That the two eagles are going to rip it apart. And it's a rhetorical question, so you know that the answer is... Well, okay, good. You guys were... The answer is yes. Very good listening, though. The answer is yes. So, yes, the twig vine is going to be torn into pieces, and this is not going to be a good solution. So you've got eagle number two on one side, eagle number one on another side, twig vine in the middle who is growing up into a vine but very confused about life. And eventually you know what's going to happen because Ezekiel comes and tells you that this isn't going to go well for twig vine. And then we get to the part of our reading. See, I told you Ezekiel was confusing. Then we get to the part of our reading that we went through today. Where God says, that's not the final answer. Here's the final answer. The final answer is, I, God, myself, am going to take a sprig, not a twig, and there's a difference, and there's some theological uh, significance to that, just kind of wait. Um, I'm going to take a sprig from the top of the cedar tree, and I am going to plant it on a high hill in Jerusalem. And you go, oh, that makes so much more sense now. No, it doesn't. What God is saying, though, actually, is he's talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is the final answer. What he's saying is that, God, I myself, I myself, the Holy Spirit, am going to come to this cedar sprig. This young and tender cedar sprig. Now, in order to get what he's saying there, you have to understand that the tribe of Judah, the tribe that Jesus came from, is oftentimes noted by their sort of symbol tree, which is the cedar tree. And so, I myself, God, am going to come to Mary and Joseph, who are now members of this cedar tree. And there's going to be, out of this, there's going to be this combined divine and human being that then God says, I'm going to plant on a high place in Israel, on a hill named Golgotha, or Calvary, where people can see this new tree of life that is going to be out there. And that all of the nations will be able to dwell in this tree. That when they look at this tree that they are going to know who God is. That they are going to know that He is the God who can take the people that are at their highest and put them to their lowest. And take the people that are at their lowest and bring them up to their highest. You see, what Ezekiel is talking about with eagle number one and eagle number two and and, uh, the, the twig vine is that at this point, what has happened is that 
Uh, eagle number one is Babylon. And it, Ezekiel tells us this, that eagle number one is Babylon, and Babylon has taken Israel, actually Judah, and has transplanted them over into Babylon, a nice place for them to live. But then they, they begin to take a look at Egypt, and Egypt looks like they want to start a fight with Babylon. And so Israel's starting to do some political alliances that God has told them not to do, because God has this thing against Egypt. Don't go back to Egypt. I already saved you from them once. And God says, the solution here is not Egypt. The solution is my final answer. And we get stuck in that place where we start to wonder what the solution to our problems are. Whatever problem that might be for you. Maybe it's a difficult decision that you have to make. Maybe it's something that you just kind of have to grin and bear it. Maybe it's some other sort of problem that is happening in your life, and you're trying to figure out what the solution is, and God has the answer for you. He has the final answer for you. Which is? Jesus. God's final answer for you is Jesus. Now, that doesn't probably sit real well with you if you're trying to figure out how you're going to balance your checkbook. How you're going to make that all work out for you. But here's what God is promising. You are going to have to figure out how to make that budget work out. You are going to have to figure out how to make that decision. You are going to have to figure out how to do the next thing. He's giving you the freedom and the dignity, saying, go ahead and figure it out. I trust you. I believe in you. I have given you my son. But he says, don't worry about how it's going to turn out. Some of those decisions that you're going to make, they are going to end up in utter disaster. Just because God trusts you to make those decisions doesn't mean that you're going to make the right decision. Sometimes it's going to fail. And sometimes it's going to go pretty well. You're going to be pretty happy. And in both of those instances, you have to remember that God's final answer is Jesus. Because if things are going really well for you, you need to remember that you have a Savior who had to come and save your sorry butt, even though things are going pretty well. And if things are not going pretty well, you need to know that you have a Savior who is coming to save your sorry butt. God's final answer is Jesus, who is coming in, in the resurrection, in His second coming, to set all of this right. And then whatever problems you're dealing with today, they're just going to sort of evaporate. You have to deal with them now, yes. But the final answer is that you won't have to deal with them because of Jesus. So what's the final answer? Jesus. Exactly. Amen.